Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaSports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to talk from the inside of sports. It's time for G. Cobb in the House with Gary Cobb and co-host Micah Warren. We'll talk to and about players, front office personnel, agents, and the newsmakers in and around sports. Now, here are your hosts, G. Cobb and Micah Warren. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to G. Cobb in the House on VoiceAmericaSports.com. I'm Micah Warren along with my buddy Jason Ashworth this evening. What's happening, Jay? How are you doing? Like I say, every day. It's every time we're on, it's Friday. So it's a good day, right? It is. It is always a good day when we're on. And first, we've we got to give Jay a little credit. Jay is the new game day announcer for our Philadelphia Soul Arena football team. So congrats on that, Jay. Yeah, do, we, do we have a uh, – can we pot up some claps, some applause? Do we have that? Uh, no? Do we, do we, we hold off on that? <laughs> All right. That's a, maybe, next week. maybe next week. <laughs> we'll, we'll work on that for next week. Um, uh, not a problem. we got to get that soundboard in check. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so obviously a lot going on in Philadelphia sports right now. Um you get the Phillies in first place, and they're not even what we're here to talk about because of all the other stuff going on. Uh, you got the Eagles draft next week, um, and the Flyers and Sixers. Um, the Flyers and Sixers are currently in the playoffs, and we can say that for another two days for the Sixers, <laughs> who are about who are about to uh, get an early exit. And we, we all kind of thought they would, but I do want to start with the Sixers because uh, look. They're outclassed by the Heat. I mean, talent-wise, they're not going to. I mean, Doug Collins even came out and said that. And that's one of the things I love about Doug Collins. He's like, yeah, well, if they play their best game, they're better than we are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you have a problem with that? Uh, I think he's taking some heat in Philadelphia, and I'm not sure why, because he's calling it the way it is. And I, I think any sensible fan knows that. You know what I mean, the, the cover of the paper said it to me as best as you can say it. Today, the, the paper said, Sixers play with passion. He play with Wade and James. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much what it is. I mean, you can have all the passion and energy all you want, but at the end of the day, talent's going to prevail uh, 90% of the time. And when the Heat put it together, there's not a team in this league that's better than them. When they put it together. And, right, which we've yeah. waited all year for them to do, really. Right, right. And unfortunately, look, the bottom line is the Heat don't have to beat you for four quarters. They no, they don't. Because the, 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 the Sixers have outplayed them. I mean, in game one, the first half the Sixers outplayed them. In game three, you can say that the Sixers outplayed them three of the four quarters, but unfortunately the Heat came to play in the fourth quarter, and that's all they needed. That's how good they are. Well, that's the problem, too, when, when you're a team that – and the Sixers are an up-and-coming team. I don't think anyone's complaining about the fact they're getting smacked around a little bit here because they are they do seem to be headed in the right direction. And I say this all the time. I mean, when you've got a team that's just not as good, it's, man, you can beat them for three quarters. You can. Good luck doing it for four. That just the, the talent wins out. I mean, the Heat, I don't think they scored until like the fourth or fifth minute. And the Sixers were taking advantage. Elton Brand was brilliant. Uh, Spencer Hall's had a good game. Yeah. Um, and you're, you're looking at this 9-10 point lead and they're outplaying them. And I'm like, wait, they're outplaying them. Why is this lead evaporating slowly? 
Well, you know, to be honest with you, Michael, what I like about it is, I mean, you mentioned the nine, ten point lead, even more um, in game one. I like the fact that the, the Sixers, they're not coming out intimidated. I, I, I mean, you have to understand, I think the Sixers know for all the rah-rah and the hoopla, and we can beat anybody and we just need to, okay, you get that. But I think, I mean, these guys are athletes and they know that there's some serious talent on the other side. But they're not intimidated. They go out and they play their game and they, and they come out with a ton of energy. Um, really, besides game two, they've been the better team in the first quarter, arguably the first half of, of one and three. They just can't prevail over four quarters. Um, so, so I commend them for coming out and playing some basketball. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like like you just said, it's one quarter and it's done. Yeah, and that's the tough thing. Now, you know, you're watching this, this lead, and I'm thinking, you know, I don't think 14 points is going to be enough. You better you better build this to thirty because I mean it yeah. really look effortless, effortless. Well, well, that's what it is. Once once the game settles down, I mean once that energy, the Sixers came out in game one and they were stoked and trying to steal one on the road. Game three, they had the home crowd behind them and and all that energy pumps out. But once once you get past that first quarter, once you get past that burst, they start playing basketball, and that's where you're going to find out. I mean that's where the matchups start taking place. I mean, once you get over that surge, that high shooting percentage, you start hitting early buckets and you ride that wave of the crowd. All right, settle that down, and now let's play some basketball, and, and that's what Miami's been able to do. You know what drives me nuts is, uh, you know, I'm watching the Sixers, and, man, this is Drew Holiday. Man, is he fun to win? This kid's going to be a player. I, I don't even think he's old enough to drink yet. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I really like Drew Holiday. You're watching the Elton brand that the Sixers thought they were getting. Um, he's almost like the uh, basketball version of Danny Briere. It's like, we gave you a bunch of money. When are you going to show up and be the guy we thought you were going to be? And he's doing that now. His hands are so soft. He, he's a beautiful jump shot. And then you watch the kids like Lou Williams come in and Thaddeus. Thaddeus, I'm, uh, we all love Thaddeus, but it, the praise stops there as far as what he's done in this series. He's been miserable. He's been absolutely awful. He struggles, but again, I, I'm not going to put this all on Thaddeus because there was numerous times yesterday where he was the four. And Sadie's is at a position at the four. He's a three. Well, all right, um, let's dig into that problem a little bit more, and we're going to get to my point. Yep, that's exactly where I was going with it. You, Go know, where I'm do- you know what I'm doing. I- I'm watching these guys, and I'm like, boy, it's such a nice team. And you got these, you know, they're pretty deep. Um, you know, they got some good players coming off the bench. I'm not a huge Jody Meeks fan, but, you know, I'm glad they have somebody that can hit a jump shot. And then this guy they call the su- their superstar, the guy that, that Doug Collins refuses to, it's like, Doug Collins has been so brilliant all year. I really do think he should, he should be a coach of the year for what he's done with essentially the same group of players that nobody else could do anything with. Um, Andre Iguodala is I, – I, when he fired up the three from the corner in the beginning of the game, he hit it. I mean, you know, my wife keeps looking over me. me I'm just going, no, every time this guy raises up from behind. Who told him? He can shoot three. So he makes the three, and all I can think of is like when Jimmy Rollins hit the home run. It's like, oh, yeah, you'll take it for right a second, but now he's swinging for the fences every other bat. What's that? Now he's swinging for the fences every other bat. Exactly, exactly. I don't want you thinking that's what you're here to do. And Iguodala can't hit a consistent jump shot. And everyone says, well, he's got to drive more. When he does that reckless driving where he either charges into someone and takes the foul. I love this. Like, one of the basic rules of basketball, very few guys can get away with this. The, I'm going to leave my feet, and then in the air I'm going to decide whether, you know, who to pass it to. That is brainless. 
I mean, the, the crap that I'm watching him do in this close game, just wasting, absolutely wasting opportunities, wasting possessions. I mean, you know you're playing the Heat, right? I mean, and then I see him bringing the ball up. Now, all right, look, that's what I was talking about last night. I was actually at the game, and there were numerous times where I was, I was pulling my hair out because you just mentioned how impressive uh, Drew Holiday's been. And he has been. He really has been, especially for his age. But when I see Drew Holiday walking up the left side of the court, going to take a spot in the corner, and and Iguodala bringing the ball up, I can't help. I mean, I understand if you have a guy like LeBron James, maybe even Dwayne Wade, who you want the ball in their hands. You want them bring it up because they can create off the dribble. I mean, those guys are are unique. That's why they're superstars. Andre Iguodala is not that player. So for all the praise that we give Doug Collins, there's something. There's something you and I and, and probably the rest of Philadelphia and probably the rest of the NBA are missing here. There's something going on that, that either Collins believes in, in something he's doing or Iguodala is really, is really just a coach's prodigy child. It just does everything Collins says because Collins time in and time out just gives him the ball, whether it be bringing it up to court or whether it be a last-minute uh, last shot. He always has, his, has the ball in his hands at the end of the game for reasons that you and I have no, can't figure out. I mean, has he won? Can you sit here and name two or three times this year that he's won on a, on a last-second shot or, or this is a last possession that he's converted on? Have there been examples that we're missing? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I just see... And, and I mean it honestly. I'm not saying that rhetorically. I mean it honestly. Can we think of, of legitimate end-of-game situations where Iguodala has converted? You know, I'm not sure. I know there was some praise for him uh, a little bit after the All-Star break. He had a decent stretch run, but he does that. He'll have a decent stretch run where you go, oh, wow, he finally put it together. No, he didn't. Remember the USA basketball team? You know, they were singing his praises. Like, He's the best guy on the team, blah, blah. And then the game started, he went in the tag. Happens all the time. He does it all the time. I'm tired of, of, of falling for it because water sinks to its own level. I'm telling you what, if this team... They're on the right path. You and I both know that. I think everybody who watches the Sixers, they, they play good defense. They hustle. They get up and down the court. They've got young guys. They've got pieces. And he you can, can play defense. That. I'll give him that. He's, He's going to hold them court. back. I think keeping Iguodala on the team will hold them back. If, if nothing else, Jay, than what you said about Thaddeus. He's hurting his development because now if he's going to be on the floor with Thaddeus, Thaddeus has to play the four. He's not yeah, really big enough. Thaddeus as well. Look, i got to be honest with you. I'm not one of those guys that, that is, you know, cashing in or, or ready to, to really say, eh, yeah, well, I mean, Evan Turner's not a player. I don't think we know if Evan Turner's a player. I know Evan Turner's not John Wall, and I know Evan Turner isn't going to be a 20-point-a-night, 25-point-a-night score. I get all that. But Evan Turner can be a solid contributor on this team. At times he just looks lost, though, like he doesn't know what's going on. And maybe that's because every time – look, I think Collins has – every time Turner makes a mistake – Boom, he'll pull him because there's just a log jam. And whether that's Thaddeus or whether that's Iguodala, the fact that Iguodala is there is creating that log jam and preventing guys, not only like Thaddeus, but guys like Evan Turner from really progressing. So I don't think we know what we have in Evan Turner. And until Iguodala is gone, that chain, that chain reaction just isn't going to take place to find out who you really have. And that's a, sec- Dude, that's a second overall pick. That's not just some guy you picked up at the end of the second round or it is a guy that you just scooped up at the end of the first round or picked up, took a waiver on. You've made a pretty high commitment in this kid. 
Understood. I mean, when you say number two overall pick, he really is not what you can, what you're used to getting there, and it's not his fault. Last year's draft was John Wall, and then everybody else. I mean, you know, Demarcus yeah, but I, Cousins. Again, and, that's, and that's kind of what I'm saying. That's kind of what I'm saying. I don't know if it's quite fair to say that yet. I know I don't want to lump Evan Turner in with the everybody else. It's almost like I want to say it's John Wall, and then it's a notch down, and yeah, okay, good, you get Evan Turner too, and then it's everybody else. DeMarcus Cousins might be in that Evan Turner range because DeMarcus could still be. I mean, DeMarcus can be a player when he wants to be. But uh, I'm not ready to, to lump in Evan Turner with uh, everybody else because I don't think we really know. He hasn't got enough minutes. He's got a, it's the same thing I always say with Kevin Cobb. You've, they've got to play, make those mistakes, and learn from those mistakes. And unfortunately, the Sixers were good enough this year to where you couldn't afford to just let him make mistakes. But having that logjam is, uh, is part of the problem. Yeah, they, I mean, they really need Evan Turner to, to be, like you said, a solid contributor. Come in and score some points. He, you know, he's a pretty good shooter. Um, but uh, pretty good shooter. Dallas, huh? Pretty good shooter. No. I don't think he was a pretty good shooter this year. I think that was the one thing people were concerned about. That's uh, what he was he supposed had... to be coming in. He was a scorer. Supposed to be. Supposed to be. All right, well, I mean, the NBA rim is 10 feet just like college. That's a great point. I didn't think of that. <laughs> I mean, Evan Turner is not my concern right now. But when I watch this team, I see Iguodala doesn't even look like he. This is like his sixth year in the league, something like that, maybe more. More, yeah. He's been around. He's not a kid anymore. He looks. The look on his face is like he's a rookie. Like he's just overwhelmed by the moment. Almost yeah, like well, he's just thrilled to be playing with LeBron or something. Well, I mean, in all fairness to. Iguodala, I mean, what kind of playoff experience does he really have, let alone playoff experience as the guy, as the quote-unquote, whether we like it or not, but as the perceived guy. Then it's so, up I mean, to this Doug is Collins for him, too. It's up to Doug Collins to say, maybe you're not ready to be the guy right now. He's not. Yeah, I don't disagree with you at all. They, they really have to treat him. They really got to trade him. We got to take a break right now, though. We'll, we'll get we'll get some more on the other side. He's got my blood boiling. Uh, we'll be we'll be right back after this break on G Cobb in the House on VoiceAmericaSports.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you? It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific time 3 p.m eastern time on the voice america sports channel fantasy sports is where the action really is over 40 million people play fantasy sports but rarely do they get to quiz the experts fantasy insights is the name and the game 
Tune in every week as Dish Adams and his guests clue you in on the fantasy football game, what's happening on and off the field, and how it will affect your fantasy team. These experts aren't just beat writers assigned to fantasy football. They live and breathe the game. Tune in to Fantasy Insights with Dish Adams every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Sports. Spin It with Chuck Foreman has a spin on so much that's going on. It will be hard to fit it all into the promo. We'll talk about the weekend games, what to look forward to, hot topics in the news. Spin It Old School, which gives a back-in-the-day approach from Chuck. A no-spin zone where Chuck gives an unbiased opinion and lets you do the same. Chuck will be taking us around town and around the world with news, happenings, and more. It's football, news, and happenings. Tune in for Spin It with Chuck Foreman. Foreman, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're joined up with G. Cobb in the house, featuring Gary Cobb and co-host Michael Warren. You want to get in on the conversation? Call in now. It's toll-free. 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to GaryCobb at AOL.com. Remember, two R's and two B's in that name. Now back to G. Cobb in the house. All right, we're back here on G. Cobb in the house. I'm Michael Warren, along with Jason Ashworth. Uh, my blood is settling a little bit, but i got to stop talking about Iguodala. God, he just just kills me. He absolutely kills me. So we'll be done with the Sixers for now because the Sixers have about, what, 48 minutes left to play in this season? Yeah, they, get swept by, they get swept by a far superior Miami Heat team. Um, I mean, first of all, Wade's out there with like a busted shoulder and headaches. <laughs> He's just, the guy's brilliant. Oh God! But you know what? It's fun to watch those guys play. It's you know, it's not fun to watch them carve up your local team. But I have a feeling they're going to do some more carving of some other teams, and it's not just going to be uh, the Sixers, the one that are getting smacked around by the Heat. Um, so let's look ahead because, and I got to ask you this, Jay. We're both uh, NFL draft junkies. We get probably a little too into this and spend a little too much time for this. Are you significantly less enthused about the draft this year with the lockout? Uh, yes. Uh, unfortunately, like, it's not that I'm less enthused. It's just that it's it's disappointing. You know, what am I really following here? I, until It's hard to really follow it and get into it knowing that you're just teasing yourself in all reality. Like I, I'm still one of those guys that are saying, yeah, games are going to be played. I don't I personally don't think that game one will be missed. That's just me personally. Although the more and more I say that, the closer and closer week one comes and, and nothing's really getting resolved. They just pushed it off till May 16th now. So it's just another month that they have to wait for CBA talks. But in terms of the draft, yes, it makes it less exciting for me personally because being an Eagles fan, I'm directly affected, probably more affected than any team in the NFL this year would be Philadelphia because they have Kevin Cobb on their hands. They want to trade him. They can't trade players, which means they can't address um, or, I guess, acquire a draft pick that we all hope they could and probably 
um, or at least make an attempt to run to get up to a top 10 pick, had they been able to move that and Philadelphia can jump up, acquire an extra pick, or just create some interesting scenarios, I mean, well, now it's a whole different ballgame. But they're, they're handcuffed, and it's all, I'm looking at this as a, as a waste. As if, this year, so much riding on this one player and this one draft, and it just so happens the CBA expires this year, and there's nothing that, there's nothing they can do about it. It's ridiculous. This whole thing is ridiculous, and it really does. It's you know I'm going to watch you and I'm going to watch every second of the draft. That's going to happen. Um, but you're right. It's kind of like uh, you, really you're watching a bunch of kids get put out of work. Uh, welcome to the NFL. You were the fifth overall pick. Now you don't have a job. Great. I mean, it's not like I feel bad training the kids. Ah, oh, you're out of work. I just, I just get frustrated because every draft is so crucial. Every draft, every strategy, every pick, every phone call, every trade shapes where your franchise goes. And it's frustrating because knowing the importance of it. And I mean, we could be having a completely different outlook. This one draft, Micah, can change the, the scope over the next five years. It can change the landscape of the Eagles organization over the next five years. And because of this, and, and again, I'm hard-pressed to think of a team that is as, a, as affected or is in a similar situation that the Eagles are in, and you, there isn't one. Well, it's a good thing that they have Cobb to trade. I'm not going to say woe is them for having this quarterback. That... Well, but it's really not. It's really not. This isn't necessarily a good situation. In theory, if there was a CBA, it's a good situation. Look, you don't trade Kevin Cobb for a draft pick. What are you getting out of it? Are you going to trade who? It's not like you just push this off and delay it a year. Who in the right the... mind is going to give up a first-round pick into the season? Nobody, because they're going to address whatever quarterback needs they have via the draft, and then however they did that, they're going to go ahead and let that play out before they just go ahead and dump a first-round pick into a Kevin Cobb who's going to be a free agent, and they're not guaranteed to sign an extension. That's the bigger problem. Uh, Cobb's going to want to get paid probably Schaub money. He's probably going to want Matt Schaub money. He's not as good as Matt Schaub. I know you still you know, you still well, have to hold that hope. Was Matt Schaub? Schaub. I'm not was a Matt fan. Schaub? But who was Matt Schaub before before he went to Houston? I mean, he was a, he was a good player in Atlanta, but I don't think any of us really knew. And I'm not saying he he's play. a great he quarterback in Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, he didn't play a ton. Let's Tom's be real. Got more, Tom's got more game tape on him than Schaub. That's, uh, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm agreeing with you. So I'm saying Schaub to come from Atlanta and then get a big contract or get a, an opportunity to start in Houston, there wasn't that much game tape on him. Cobb's got a little more. So people have an, at least have an understanding, right? You can look at it two ways. You can say, well, they, they, they thought Schaub was going to be a great player. They didn't have proof that he was going to be bad. There's some proof on Cobb. That he, uh, he's I mean, got, I... Some people see it as, as fatal flaws. I mean, his decision-making in the pocket's terrible. Terrible. Again, again, I, I question anybody to go back in that pocket that he had to deal with. And I, we said okay. it all year. The only, to me one of the only quarterbacks that could have been successful with that line was Michael Vick. Oh, I'm I just, probably the only person on the planet. Yeah, I just, I, and, I mean, I don't want to, what I don't want to do in this situation is elevate Michael Vick to a certain level to just say nobody, you know, nobody's at that level. But you understand what I'm saying. Look, anybody's going to look like a statue. Is, is Peyton Manning going to resemble any 
is he going to be Peyton Manning? Is Tom Brady going to be Tom Brady? Is Aaron Rodgers going to be Aaron Rodgers with a line like that where you're breathing down your neck, your center's getting blown off the ball every other snap? So I can't, I can't judge Kevin Cobb based on this year. I just can't do it. Well, I don't think it's fair to have that football that's... player. All right, that's not a hero there. I know you're upset about that. But it is hero your, there. I know he's your, your buddy, but that's what pen pals are for, Jay. No, no, I just I, – you always say there is no one player. One player doesn't win, will not win or lose a game over the course of, over the course of 60 minutes. Agreed. I can't, okay. I can't judge him and say, oh, well, you X, Y, Z. Guess what? The line's got a block for you to throw the ball. When you throw the ball, the receiver's got to catch it. I mean, there's so many things that go into play here. I can't sit here and say that because he made some bad decisions, it was simply because Kevin Cobb was making bad decisions. There's no, he wasn't every time, time, like, he wasn't every time. time. But you've you got to make decisions under fire. That's something that has to happen. Do I think, I think he could be very successful if everything around him is in place. Good running game, stable line, and some uh, playmakers on the outside. I think he could be successful. Something. Let me ask you something. Game one against Green Bay. Okay. What did you say about the Sean Jackson in the first half? Oh, jeez, Jay, I don't remember what I said two days ago. Come on, yes, you do. Yes, you do. What did you say about Deshaun Jackson in the first half compared to the second half? What did I say about him? You said he looked like he was dogging it a little bit. He wasn't running his routes hard. We both kind of looked at it like, yeah, he's not really he's not really pushing it. And in the second half with Cobb out, it looked like Deshaun had a little fire underneath him. Now, we know that Deshaun Jackson was a proponent of Kevin Cobb. He wanted Kevin Cobb over McNabb, and he made that pretty evident. It was time to make that change. But he didn't come out and play like that and get in the first half of game one. So when you combine the, the lack of protection that Cobb had with his star receiver not really helping him out, it's, I, again, I'm just looking at the tape, and while I do see some flaws, I'm not trying to say he's a great quarterback, but while I do see some flaws, I'm seeing ten other guys who weren't helping him get the job done. So I can't sit here and say Kevin Cobb is or is not the real stock in Kevin Cobb or something like that. Did you buy stock in Kevin Cobb? Yeah, that and Microsoft. Yeah. <laughs> we got uh, Ron Glover on the line now. Ron, you with us? Hey, Mike, how you doing? What's happening, Ron? We're just uh, we're trying to talk Eagles draft, but it always comes back to Cobb. Um, so to kill off a Cobb, because I know Jay likes him, um, yeah, hold on. It's not that I like Ron. It's not that, I, it's not that I'm saying I like him or I don't like him. What I'm saying is, for those people who say Kevin, who don't like Kevin Cobb, for those people who want to say, well, he he shouldn't be a starter. Or we have enough tape on him. He's got fatal flaws. I'm simply saying, look, I don't think anybody knows what Kevin Cobb is because Kevin Cobb, when he was in, did not have two seconds to throw the football, and the only quarterback who would be able to make something out of that offensive line would be Michael Vick. I'm just saying I, I haven't seen enough. I think there's a pretty large group that, that still feels that way, that they just haven't seen enough. Um, and I'm not saying that's wrong because, I mean, he's proven he right. can play. I just see the ups and downs, and I don't know where he is. I, I, you know, which, which cob am I getting? He looked terrible against the Cowboys, but people say, oh, it was a bunch of backups. All right, fine. There's always a reason. He's looked really poor at times, and other times he's thrown darts. I mean, if he gets into a rhythm with a little bit of time, he can hurt you pretty bad. But I don't know where that middle ground, I don't know where he really is. Is he, is he that good? Is he that bad? Is he somewhere in between? I'd Probably somewhere in between. I'll take somewhere in between. Some, guess what? 
somewhere in between, whether we like this or not, somewhere in between is a starter in the NFL. Because at times he looked pretty damn good, throwing over 300 yards, three, four touchdowns. Sometimes he looked pretty damn bad. Okay, but somewhere, so he's not a superstar, all right, fair enough, but he's also not a bum. So somewhere in there is starter in the NFL. There are a lot worse quarterbacks in the NFL that could be playing for your team right now. No, I agree, Jay, but we got started on this because we started talking about the draft and trading him. He's going to want a decent amount of money. I don't know if he's worth that kind of dough. I don't think he's worth Schaub money. Ron, you, would you would you give this guy a Schaub contract? After you just gave up a first-round uh, pick for him. Contract? Give him a starter Matt Schaub, contract? Matt Schaub made, uh, what was his deal? It was $68 million? I'll have to look at the guarantee, but it was, it was a significant amount. And let, let's not beat around the bush here. It's not like they're guaranteed contracts. So, I mean, in all reality, it's just what's guaranteed. It's just, yeah, it's just what's guaranteed. That's the number you got to look at. If he doesn't pan out after two years, you got him. But getting back to the whole trading of him, it is a, such a big deal. It's such a big deal. The Eagles are going to get hosed if they don't trade him because he's in the last year of his contract. So, it's get something now or you let him walk. you got nothing for him. You're not going to resign him. You know, what happens if you don't move him on draft day? Which it looks like you can't. <laughs> no, you can't. Yeah, you're not moving him on draft day. Your only bet is to hope that somebody didn't get the quarterback that they were looking for in the draft, wasn't able to pick up a veteran that they thought, you know what, this is a guy that we can go, in the next, go into the season uh, with as our quarterback, and hope that that team is willing to invest the 2012 draft pick, first rounder, for Kevin Cobb. That's the only play that I think you have right now. Just, just that, that was my next question. Is there really... A team out there willing to give up a first-round pick? Yes, yes. Well, Jay, those more. are the reports. I believe uh, there's enough smoke there. There's enough different people reporting that they can get a first-round pick for them. Because you know the amount of misinformation that gets put around. But I think they can. Mike, uh, what did I tell you three months ago? Oh, you're so proud of yourself. I am proud of myself because I do this to you every time and you never they believe didn't get. They did not get a first-round pick for him yet, Jay, until they yes, do. I know. But you, now you think they can. I think they can. What's my opinion mean? I'm, yeah, not, yeah, in on the, yeah. I'm not in on the meetings. Yeah, well, you know what? Maybe you should get an invitation, all right? Because apparently I'm in on it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, look, hey, look we've got to take a break. We're going to come back and talk more Eagles draft because Jay got us on the Cobb tangent. Uh, this is G Cobb in the house of VoiceAmericaSports.com. We'll see you in a few. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Listen to Sports Talk at the Positive Pub every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Gil Tyree talks to sports newsmakers, playmakers, and story breakers. You, the hardcore, interactive, and novice fan, can join the show via your phone calls and emails. Sample what's good, right, and positive about the world of sports every week. Begin your week in a positive way with Sports Talk from the Positive Pub. Be here every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you ready for an old school in your face discussion of professional college and high school football? 
tune in for talk on a variety of football-related topics on the program From Under the Helmet with Derek Kennard. You will hear the week's headlines and straight talk from the hosts and weekly guests that are personal and provocative. From Under the Helmet is broadcast every Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Channel. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're joined up with G. Cobb in the house, featuring Gary Cobb and co-host Michael Warren. You want to get in on the conversation? Call in now. It's toll-free. 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to GaryCobb at AOL.com. Remember, two R's and two B's in that name. Now back to G. Cobb in the house. Back here on G. Cobb in the house, I'm Michael Warren, along with Ron Glover and Jason Ashworth. Uh, trying to talk some Eagles draft. We're going to get into the rest of the NFL draft, too. Uh, as much as my enthusiasm, as I said before, is a little diminished for this NFL draft, it's still the NFL draft, and I love it. Um, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to get you guys' opinion on this, because you hear, you hear people talk about this a little bit, but maybe not as much as they should. It's something that actually annoys me. I was, I was watching um, PFT Live on Pro Football Talk today, because I saw uh, Howie Roseman was going to be on. In general, I don't care about PFT Live at all. It usually uh, is not of interest to me. Um, but so Harry Rosen's going on, and I figured, you know, it's the same stuff. He, he loves the word excited, and we're just really excited about all the great things, and we're going to win a Super Bowl, and I'm just excited. Like, geez, talk about, I mean, typical Eagles front office guy, not saying anything. But, you know, as I'm listening to him speak, and I'm thinking, this guy, uh, for people that don't know Harry Rosen, the GM, he was like 25 years old in 1999 or 2000 when he got an internship. Uh, I spoke with someone who worked there at the time and said literally he had um, this little carpet square-sized desk like right outside of Joe Banner's office as this guy who just wanted to come in and start working for the Eagles. I give him a ton of credit. He stuck with it. He's worked his way up, and he's now the general manager of the team. Got to give him credit. But as I'm listening to this guy talk, you lose Heckert, uh, who was a football guy. Jimmy Johnson said years ago, he's like, if I ever get back into football, Tom Heckert's the first guy I'm calling. Good football guy. Howie Roseman's like Joe Banner type. He's a numbers guy. He's a finance guy. He's an attorney. Is this a guy you want making football decisions for the Philadelphia Eagles? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to see, Ron, I was sitting there, I was trying to think of how I was going to position this. You come right in with the thunder. No. Um, why no? Why no, dude? <sighs> I just don't like the way – if he was a guy that came in and did not make Joe Banner comfortable, I would be fine with that. 
this guy supplies no resistance to anything. That Joe Banner, and, and probably for that case, Andy Reid, for anything that they're about. And I think part of, part of and not to, to tail off too much, but part of what I like about this thing with the Sixers, how is this defense you don't see out of eye on everything? Starting with the selection of Evan Turner. Leading up mm-hmm. to last year, that was the thing with Collins coming in the door. Collins wanted Derek Favors, and Stefanski wanted Evan Turner. They didn't see eye to eye on it. They butted heads. They ended up with Turner, but if the same, if the same thing happens this year, don't think that Collins probably won't get his guy due to the fact of how things have turned out for Turner, for one, and two, for what Collins has done with the team this year. Right. I, th- I think when you have this thing with where guys are, are pretty much on the same page, it's just way too easy. It's way too okay. easy, and it, well, it leads to more bad picks than good. Well, Matt, Hold more on. bad things happening than good. Let's say this. Let's kind of, first of all, I'll just make a quick comment. Um, you see how it turned out with Evan Turner, how to turn out with Derek Favors. He's already already been shipped off. So obviously been they weren't, yeah, I mean, obviously they weren't. To, now, obviously, Collins could have a lot to do with the maturation and, and the development of a player, but obviously, Jersey couldn't get it done, and they, you know, they saw enough in him to to move him uh, per se. But without without going off on a tangent, I, in terms of Howie Roseman, I would like to have seen, I would have liked to see somebody from the outside come in for the exact reason that you talk about, just to, just to cause a little conflict conflict, just to present a, a different view, just to say, hey, well, what about this? Because right. in all reality, all we have is, is one mindset. We have a, a group of guys that, for all we know, have done things the same way, think the same way, have the same strategy. Just somebody to come in there and present a different idea, a different option, um, was something I would have liked to have seen. That said, I want to get through this draft. I want to see how he handles and how he addresses this draft, we don't know what moves he can possibly make still post draft with Kevin Cobb. So I don't want to. I don't want to sit here and say I like him or I don't like him yet. Uh, for the, just because, what do we have? One season with him, where he, where he's pretty much getting his feet wet. But he's not really the guy either. So that's another thing that I get confused about. He even said today Andy has final say. I don't know if that's still true anymore because I think Andy has lost some juice in the organization. Uh, I don't know what influence Howie has. Yeah, he's a GM, but like Ron said, well, he's just kind of he's, he's one of their guys. Joe Banner. Yeah, but is, that, is that an indictment on the GM or on the coach? I'm not going to put Howie Roseman to the chopping block because of the things that the owners let take place. Well, that's what it goes above that. You're exactly right because he doesn't even have any juice. Was he just a figurehead? I mean, when they interview him with that stuff, I'm thinking, are you even the one making these calls? I just am confused right now about his role. Uh, I, I don't want a, a Joe. Joe Banner's important. I know everyone rags on him. He's very important. It's important to have that numbers and finance guy. It's very important. I don't want his little protege who probably holds his fork just like Joe Banner telling me whether a left tackle's got good footwork or not. I mean, that's, that's left to somebody else in my opinion. 
So at the end of the day, if that's the case, does more of the blame fall to Andy Reid? And if that's the case, was Roseman built in? Was Roseman brought in as one of quote-unquote Banner's guys to eventually, I guess when the time comes, basically I think reason to skip for Andy Reid at, at some point. I, I think that, Ron, I, I do. Uh, so, so, but, the, but here's where I'm confused. Does Howie actually have more say? But they're saying Andy does, so if something fails, they go, well, all right, time to go. Right, exactly. That's what, that's what led me to, to say that. Um, I don't know I how this structure I'm very confused. I think in the end, eventually, that's what, made it, that's, what made, that's what it may come down to. I don't think Andy has... Any more than this year and maybe next season. This season no. is the season I think where he's really going to be looked at. And that makes exact, and that makes complete sense to have a guy in there that would kind of ride the coattails or just allow Reed to to line it up. If you have a guy in there that's going to buck the trend of Reed and that's going to try and implement his own strategy and his own style, it's going to be hard to hold. You know, it's going to be hard to put Reed on the chopping block. When you have a guy like Roseman who is just a company man, just go ahead with it, assume the position, you don't really have the control, the organization knows who has the control, well, then you know who to put the blame on. You know, so it's almost, look, Reed, you're either going to do it or we know <laughs> or we know what the issue is. You know? And that's right. unfortunate because I do really think, I think Reed it really is a good coach. He's yeah, probably a better absolutely. general manager. He's probably a better general manager, uh, but he certainly knows football, and it's unfortunate that, you know, you, you had to put somebody on the chopping block, but you have to, you know. They, oh, here's my thing. You know, Reed knows offense for sure, uh, regardless of what you think about how he runs his. My problem is who's making the decisions on the defensive side of the ball, personnel-wise? Did Howie Rosen look at a at, at tape of Ernie Sims and say, yeah, we got to get this guy in here? He's terrible. He's awful. If, if Howie Roseman made that call, then – there's nobody has any clue about defense on this team right now. I mean, my God, the defensive coordinator is an offensive line coach. They don't even have, they don't even have a defensive guy running that side of the ball. Who's making the decisions? And I want to know who, when you line up to play the Eagles, what difference makers do you see on that side of the ball? Asante Samuel and maybe Trent Cole. Is Trent Cole really? He's a good player. Is he dominant? No. Good. He's a good player. Where are the difference makers? You've got two tackles. Well, now Broderick Bunkley's probably fourth on the depth chart uh, behind Dixon, and now Trevor Laws, for God's sake. You know, Patterson and Bunkley have gotten a pass for a while. They're not difference makers there. They drafted Brandon Graham, who showed flashes of maybe pressuring the quarterback before he blew his knee out. You're not going to know what you have in him for two years. Who's making these decisions? They have lo- when was the last time they had a playmaking linebacker? Carlos Simmons? Wow. I mean... Who the safeties and stock left? Nate Allen I think could be all right. I like Nate Allen. Okay, mm-hmm. Quentin Michael I was never a huge fan of. And whatever you insert anybody's name on the other cornerback position is dreadful. This defense just has no teeth, and they keep. This brings me back to the draft. They keep drafting these damn tweeners that people go, oh yeah, he'd be great for outside linebacker in a three-four. The Eagles don't run a three-four. Why do they continue to stockpile these guys? Brian Smith with a 230-pound defensive end out of McNeese State three years ago. Oh, great. I don't remember seeing him seeing the field. 
uh, Ricky Sapp, he's not a linebacker. They take Chris Gokong with a defensive end. He had 22 and a half sacks in his senior year. Uh, make him a linebacker. You cover tight ends. It doesn't make any sense. And I wonder if no Jim Johnson has really led to the deterioration of this defense. I would. I couldn't disagree with that. I couldn't disagree because you don't have a defensive guy in there to say, look, we need this, 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 and this. And Sean McDermott didn't didn't have enough time or enough juice to get those guys to say, look, I need this, this, and this. You know, who are you writing the call in the end? And it goes back to, Ron, your point of, I had this problem with the coaching staff, too, is, well, we'll just keep promoting from within. Rory Seagrass was stealing money for that team for about 10 years. Oh, we'll just bring out McDermott. Oh, you're the new defensive coordinator. Bring in somebody else with new ideas that says, well, this is how we did it where, where I was before, and it worked that way. There's no fresh ideas. That was one of the things that you're talking about the promotion of Castillo. Yeah, I think the worst thing they felt they could have done was bring someone in from the outside to hold the mirror to them to say, look, this is exactly what's wrong. Yeah. And what game film are they watching? Are they watching the same game film that we're, that we're seeing? I know. Defenses that get run over in December, they're just undersized. They're not that big. And eventually that gets you smacked around. I mean, they haven't McDermott, been for years. McDermott took the fall, but these are personnel decisions that uh, that run a lot deeper than McDermott. But we got to take a break. We'll come back and finish up with the Eagles draft, maybe touch on the Flyers who just got started. Uh, but we got to take a break. We'll be right back here on G Cobb in the house on VoiceAmericaSports.com. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Football and so much more is the focus of Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Join the former Arizona Cardinals running back for a show that mixes, well, a little bit of everything. Damian brings to the program life experiences playing football and will talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field. The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you? It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemont Williams with co-host John Inglesby. Each week, join Lemont and John as they take callers, discuss the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sit down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. school to the pros we we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports
you're joined up with G Cobb in the house featuring Gary Cobb and co-host Michael Warren. You want to get in on the conversation? Call in now. It's toll free. 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to GaryCobb at AOL.com. Remember, two R's and two B's in that name. Now back to G Cobb in the house. All right, all right. We got uh we have our final topic for the evening uh chosen uh we we were going to look at more Eagles draft stuff, but we got to talk Flyers here. They are 4 minutes in to a deciding game 5, not decide the series, but take control of, and they're already down 2 nothing. And I think Jay is having issues over there. Jay, what what's the problem over there? <laughs> they're frauds. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. I I mean, so far Terrible defense, and Brian Boucher looks like a bum. He's let up two very, very soft goals, and I'm not talking about soft goals like, oh, he got caught in a bad position. I'm talking about they just put it on net gently. They just tried to hit his pads and let them both in. So it's, it's just it's flyer hockey is what it is, and I don't know. I don't know. I'm not. I'm gonna just shut up. Is what I'm gonna do. <laughs> well, we've been saying forever. Go ahead, Ron. I think he may be on the show at least tonight. I would. I'm, I'm surprised they've even gone with Boosh. Uh, you have to. You have to. I mean, Boosh, uh, Boosh has played solid. You know, I mean, game two he let up what three goals, but I mean they got a five three win. Everyone was scoring in game two, and then game three he let up one goal. I mean, I guess you, you kind of have to. But they, Bobrovsky's been scratched. Layton's the two in this one. So if they pull Boosh, they're going for a guy that hasn't played. NHL hockey in how long? I think he played one game this year. Uh, are you sure he did? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, uh, it, it's tough right now, and, and you're going to have to go to Leighton at some point, just because what else are you going to go? I mean, you got Boosh, you got you know Bobrovsky, who's too young. This is It's too big for him right now. Uh, but it's not just that. I mean, this defense is not playing well. I don't know if that's all because Chris Pronger's out. They missed him earlier in the season, and they didn't really miss a beat. Mm-hmm. There's something bigger that's wrong with this team, and we can blame Boucher right now. But you look at games one and four, both one nothing games. I explain that. That's on the keepers. It's terrible. This is <sighs> Jay. We got made fun of for worried about this Flyers team that was just not playing their best hockey at the right time. Right. And if this, and I want to ask you, Ron. If this team really does go one and done, where do you put that with collapses in Philadelphia sports history? It's up there. It really is. It's up there. This is a team that was the number one team in the NHL and the conference for a lot of the year. I mean, we all watched. I mean, there was times this year you watched them, and I mean, I remember watching them play the Dallas Stars, and it was just domination from end to end. They were just destroying them. And it would just look like now if something happens, this is a team that peaked too soon. And boy, disappointed a lot of people. And once you, um, once the, once the slide began, you know, we started to hear, and eventually we ended up believing. Oh, you know, they're just uh, they're just waiting for the playoffs to roll around. Kind of what yeah. happened out in L.A. Oh, the Lakers are just bored right now. They'll. They'll turn it on when the playoffs come. Yeah, I don't understand that. Everyone's like, oh, NHL hockey, NHL hockey is too unpredictable to turn on and off like that. 
Especially when you're playing a very good team in Buffalo. And they've always given the Flyers problems over the years. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. And let's, let's just hope, you know, it's still early in the game. You know, these games are long, and the Flyers have come back before. I just don't think it's really how you want to make your living <laughs> getting in holes and trying no. to dig your way out. Not in the playoffs. Uh, nah, so we'll uh, we'll leave the Flyers alone for now. Back to the Eagles. Um, you're Howie Roseman, guys. In the first round, are you, you going to go best available, or are you really going to target uh, you need an offensive lineman. You need defensive lineman. Do you not take an end knowing that you have Graham, even though you really don't know what you have in him? Uh, and you need a corner badly. I'm tempted, to t- I'm, I'm tempted to take a corner. Whatever I'm going after, it's going to be an impact guy. It's got to be. Uh, it, it w- I would have to. I would try my best to make some noise and really get up into that top fifteen. And, and grab me an impact guy. I don't care if it's a, a D tackle, a D end, a corner, an offensive lineman. You've got to do something to change the complexion of this team and the outlook of the entire thing. Um, your D linemen are too light. Uh, your corners essentially are too short. And your linebackers are too light. You've got to go in there. And you've got to. You've got to make some noise. You've got to do something to, to make this league step back and say, "Okay, well, man, maybe the Eagles are probably are probably on to it now." And you know, going after a quality guy. If the guy that you want isn't there, for God's sake, please don't trade out of the first round. Well, the only argument I would make for that, Ron, is if. Because I agree with you. I don't care who you get. Get a difference maker. You need difference makers. They just don't have them on defense. Um, the only argument I would make, I'm okay with trading down, and I'll tell you why, because you have multiple needs. If you can, if you, okay. I'm not, I don't pull what you did last year. They traded up in the first round and then traded everything else down to the fifth. I don't want 18 fifth-round picks. I mean, like, oh, look at, look at, look at us. And this, and this is my problem with the Eagles. Uh, overall, I think it's a very well-run organization, but I do have, they want to show that they're smarter than you. Oh, look, we, we took Daniel Payne to shine in the third round. No one else had him going off the board before fifth for a reason. Mm-hmm. He, he's not, so far, he's, he's just not a good player. I, I'm, I'm tired of them taking, you know, they take these guys that don't fit their system and they play them out of position. It's like they want to show you how much smarter they are than you. Yeah. And that kind of that kind of goes back to what what you were saying. Bring somebody in that's going to tell them no. Let's not do it this way. I mean, do you worry that what's what what Ron? Why would we think they would change now? And to be honest, I don't think they will. I'm just hoping that they do. And I hope this is my hope every year. But like you said, they the Eagles play with a bunch of one sided coins. They grab a guy and say, "Oh, well, look, well, this is what he does different than everyone else." But you're grabbing the guy in the in the fifth round. He's in the fifth round for a reason, like you said. <laughs> and they never look at that side of it. They just look at, oh, this is what this guy, Chris Gokhan, is the perfect example. Had you brought Chris Gokhan in as maybe in a three four, and you had a three four system, he would be ideal. Perfect. But you're sticking this guy at defensive tackle in the NFC East. 
a run happy division. And it, it just doesn't work. But you're quick to point out the fact of the 22 sacks that he had his senior season at Kyle Poly, no less. Right. Doesn't add up. No, because now you're taking away what he does best. You like the 22 sacks. Well, he got those with his with his hand on the ground. So let's back him up and have him cover tight ends. I, that does not make any sense to me. And that's the kind of stuff. And I, this is what the, the stuff that irritates me because on draft day, I never get excited or upset by who people pick because nobody knows. You have no clue. Nobody does whether this guy is going to be good or not. But when I see you're clearly not drafting for what your system is, I'm like, oh, that's you had ten hope. sacks last year. Can you punt? That's you know, what hope. And and that's the kind of stuff that drives me nuts. Uh, taking guys way ahead of it just to be like, oh, look who we found. It's not a sleeper if you don't let them sleep, all right? <laughs> you know, just reaching for guys. So, again, I'm not concerned with who they take. I want them to take a difference maker. If that's Jimmy Smith from Colorado, take Jimmy Smith from Colorado. I mean, but don't go drafting some 240-pound guy and tell me he's your next uh, three-down defensive end. Uh, I was really... And forgive me if I'm wrong about this guy, but I was really upset at that Brandon Graham pick last year. Hmm? For them to go up the way that they did. And it just seemed like they went through all these changes to go up and grab this guy. Right. But he's undersized. For all intents and purposes, he's undersized. I was pleased. I was okay with the Nate Allen pick. Yeah. I was okay with that. But to go through these changes, to go up, so once again, grab another size undersized guy and the Eagles had the Eagles had teams shaking in their boots. Okay, the Eagles are moving up. They're gonna grab some there's no way they're gonna grab Brandon Grant. Everyone thought it was Earl Thomas. Exactly. I thought it was Earl Thomas. Yeah. I thought it was either Earl Thomas, I can't remember the other safety, whether it was a safety or a corner. But it was someone there that I thought the Eagles were gonna go after. And I'm like, okay. They finally gotten it right. No. It was Brandon Grant. <laughs> oh, God. Well, look, the draft starts, you know, this Thursday. We'll all find out together. Uh, I want to thank Jason Ashworth and Ron Glover. we got to run now. Um, but we'll see everybody next week, and we'll see what happens with this draft, and we'll uh, look forward to watching the Sixers get ousted on Sunday. Uh, <laughs> everybody have a great weekend, and we'll chat with you soon. Time to break the huddle. We'll be back again next Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern for another edition of G Cobb in the House with Gary Cobb and Micah Warren. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you again soon. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.